The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving. I'm hosting Loving That Sports Talk. And like I was saying, you know, it's great to be out here in Casper, Wyoming with some great friends and to see my daughter. Great to be here, you know, to um, just reminisce and be, you know, a dad or be around her as a dad, you know. So I'd like to give a shout-out to Michelle that's listening right now at work. Go ahead and do your thing, Michelle. Well, guys, we got a special guest on the line today, you know. I kind of want to twist the show up today, you know, because I'm always tired of all the guys giving their input on sports and like that. And then when I got out here in Casper, I found out that, this young lady knew more about sports than me, so, you know, that's got to be something really amazing to hear her today. Um, I'd like to, you know, introduce her, the mother of uh, one of my guests that was on last week, Terry Jr., Terry Jackson Jr., mom, Lori Jackson. Are you there, Lori? I'm here, James. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Good to have you on the show. We're going to twist it up. You know, you always ask me this week, what are we going to talk about, James? So, you know, <laughs> when we're going to get down to later on, we're going to talk about your Cowboys and the Eagles. So, but, you know, just tell a little bit about your son, Terry Jackson Jr., um, a little bit about him, you know. Um, well, Terry is a phenomenal kid. I mean, he's he's so much more than just an athlete. He He's just, um, he's just an all-around great kid. He's wonderful with other people his his personality just glows he's got a sense of humor that's out of this world he he's just a phenomenal kid i'm just so blessed to to be able to to have him in my life and um he's he's just a great kid you know from hanging around him that he's fun to be around and and i've I've gotten to enjoy that for 17 years that's good like i was saying last week on the show you know you and your husband demo marvelous job with not only Terry but all your other kids that you have and just being a parent that you are, you know, just to need to learn from you guys, you know, and know you guys for well, for years we've known each other, haven't we, Lord? Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking I think it's been about twenty. Yeah, right. Very close to twenty. Mm-hmm. Well let's knock all that stuff out, you know. You've been itching for this all week, you know. Oh, um, is that what you call it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You you know you know what they say that um Sports is like when you play the sports, you got to love the game, you got to have a heart, and you know a lot about it. Me and you was arguing the other day. I don't think me and you was arguing. I think it was your husband, but these <laughs> quarterbacks, <laughs> these quarterbacks that's in the league, Lord, when you see that they have it and when they need to get out of the game and it's not the right team for them, do you think they need to move on or just keep trying to play to make that team win? I'm trying to get at what we were talking about Tony Romo with Dallas. What do you think about that? 
Well, I don't necessarily think that Tony needs to get out of the game. I'm not sure that the Cowboys are the right place for Tony. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that he's had some time off with his injury last year. And, you know, I, I think he misses the game. And so that that may be that may be kind of a a point with him where he takes us to the level that we need to be. Um, but, I, I mean, I think that's something that they have to know, whether, you know, they, they need to stay with the organization that they're with or whether they need to move on to a different team that may be a better fit for them. I don't know what the answer is for, for Tony. Well, you know, you are sports lawyer. I know you know the game and um, the different things about you see different players at different positions and what they can play, you know, like from your son in high school to the pros. And if you feel that, like, that one player is like, you know, like we said, Tony, if he don't do it this year, you know, maybe he needs to move on, not get out of the game, but move on to a different team. That's just like Donovan been moving on from different teams. Do you feel that, like, a player, is they not just suited for that offense or defense? Do I feel like the player was? A player is not suited for that offensive team or that defensive team, and you go to another team where they can relate better and play? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that I think that it goes way back into, you know, how they were coached when they were younger. I mean, I, I think it can be driven all the way back to, to a very young age. And if his style of play doesn't match a certain team, then... I mean, I I think that they could go somewhere else and be better better suited with another team. Certainly, I don't know if that's right for him or not. I mean, I'd like to give him another year and see what he does. But certainly, if you know, if he if he doesn't shine this year, then there there's going to be. I mean, I would think there would be some questions, you know, in the in the Cowboys management, you know. Let's jump back a little, Laurie, and let's talk about how. These kids are coached nowadays. Do you feel the coaching that they get nowadays, they need to be better coaching to, to get them to be up to this level? Because I know me and you talked about it, and, like, I know your son, I've seen him, I worked out with him. There's no way your son should be at a major college in the next year. But do you think coaching has changed nowadays? Um, well, yes. I mean, I think from, from what I've seen, um, obviously I – Football is my favorite sport, and so I never got to participate as a player in football other than, you know, just crazy games to the side. So, But I I can tell you that from what I watched growing up, you know, coming through high school here and, and what I see now, I think there's a huge difference. I My husband said it really well last week that, you know, fundamentals are, are key to our kids' success, and I don't see a lot of that. I, I go up and watch, you know, little Terry at practice and – um, and not necessarily this year because obviously the se- the season you know isn't in full swing yet. But you know I- I've seen some work by the players that is at best it's lackadaisical, and nobody's correcting them. And those are the fundamental skills that they're that they have to they have to know, and they have to be able to you know do those things in order to be successful as a as a player and as a competitor and. I'm hoping that we have a change this year, but I was not seeing I was not seeing the follow through with it in in the last couple of years anyway that I've been really paying attention to the you know to the athletics and stuff here. So yeah, and like you were saying, you know, the fundamental, like your husband said, that is the key. You can teach these kids fundamentals; the other stuff's gonna fall into place. So, like you say, like your son with the athletic talent that he has, 
the fundamental that is tied in the coach, you know, that's going to work out great for him, you know. Correct. Well, and, the, the, you know, the other thing that I think that we're missing, I think just in general, is that I don't think our kids are being taught the mental aspects of the game and what what happens when you win and how you should react when you win versus, you know, what happens when you lose versus, you know what I mean? I I think that we're missing the fundamentals, but I also think that we're missing teaching kids the mental aspects of playing a sport, especially a team sport. That's good you said that. Let's let's talk about that for a minute. I was telling everybody that, you know, I said, how was it when it was in the NFL? I said, you know, it's more mental than physical. Oh, and, sure. Yeah, and, and if you could teach, like you say, the kids the mental part of it, you know, and that will make them much better players, you know? Mm-hmm. So oh, like yeah. you said, that was, that was a great thing that you had mentioned about that, you know? Well, I think, I mean, you just think about all the different um, the different ways that a game could get to our kids mentally, and I think you have to work those those different areas, and you have to train them on how to deal with those with those different areas of the mental aspect of the game. You know, I mean, I I see this with little Terry, and I've seen it with other players that you know they they make a mistake, and that. To me, that's the critical turning point in a game for a youth is when they make a mistake, they're frozen. They're paralyzed. But they don't know how to get beyond that mistake to continue playing the game. And, um, you know, I, I think there's so many outside influences that affect that. You know, you have a, a kid that's, you know, just dropped a, a ball or, you know, whatever the case may be and, you know, he hears it from his teammates on the sidelines. He hears it probably from the fans up in the crowd. He's going to hear it from the coaches. And, you know, instead of building them up to allow them to gain positive energy from what just happened, we're, we're negating that, and they their self-esteem goes downhill. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is these coaches now, they need to motivate the kids more, even when they do something wrong. I know when I was coming out, when we did something wrong, coach was screaming, yelled at us, and made you feel like you wasn't good enough or worthy to be out on the field, you know? Yeah, but don't you think that, I mean, this is just my perspective, but I think we're dealing with a different generation of kids. And so with each new generation, you're going to have to, you're going to have to adjust your coaching techniques to deal with those kids if you want to be successful. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have computers, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that. When we were disciplined or when somebody was trying to teach us something or coach us or guide us, it was verbal. I mean, we were face-to-face with people. Our Mm -hmm. kids nowadays, everything is computer-generated. They're not used to that personal contact. And so if they're not used to it and they go onto the sidelines after making a, a, a horrible play and you've got a person standing in front of them yelling at them, they're just going to retreat. You know what I mean? So I think that with the different generations, they're going to have to learn new and different coaching styles to be able to deal with those kids coming through to be able to make them successful. That's good you said that, Lori. I like when you said that there are different generations. We grew up, you're right, we didn't have video games. And I was out there every day playing on the street, you know, playing football. And, you know, I wasn't sitting there in front of the TV. Right. You know, exactly so, right. So that's you write about that's a different generation. But who is that to blame, Lori? Is that the parents or? You 
Well, I mean, I, I would certainly take responsibility for my kids as a parent. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's something that every parent would have to take a good hard look at to see how, you know, how their kids are dealing with things and is it something in their parenting style that, you know, has, has affected them in a way that they don't want them to be affected. Now, I'm not saying that because your child doesn't, you know, like to deal with people in person that, you know, their, their parent is horrible. I, I'm not saying that at all. I think that this day and age has bred that kind of stuff. I mean, with all the, the technology. I mean, everybody just keeps, you know, you know how it is. You get a cell phone and a day later they got a new style coming out. So sure. I think it's just the way of the world, but the parents have to really be mindful of that as they're raising their kids. You know, my kids, we, you know, they're, I can't say that they're never in front of the TV because, you know, sometimes it, it just happens. You know, we live in Wyoming, the weather gets bad, you know, we're inside. So, um, but for the most part, you won't catch little Terry in here watching television. You know, he's out back shooting hoops. My, my 12-year-old daughter's out riding her bike. She's wanting to go swimming. And that, that, is a, that is a culture that my husband and I have instilled in the kids that you're not just going to sit here and be couch potatoes, but they know that's important to us. And that's the way they've always been raised. So, you know, certainly I think anything with kids, you know, you have to, it, it's going to be a reflection of parents with, with anybody. That's good. You said I have a question too for you, Laura. Do you think nowadays the parents are pushing their kids too much to play sports or are they trying to live through? Do you think that? I mean, so like you say, you know, if the kid want to play, like you were saying, Terry, he won't play. He's not sitting there watching TV and the parent going out and saying, hey, Terry, go do that. He's out there, you know, practicing and all like that. What, what about these parents that, you know what I'm saying, making these kids and they don't really want to play the game? You know, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think in some cases it's probably true that parents are living through their kids. I mean, I, I, I can see that to, you know, some extent, but um, I think as a culture, we have just made our lives way too busy. And so when you bring kids into this world, into a family that's already busy, they're just going to put more on their plate. I, I think that, you know, some kids are just expected to play just because, you know, their mom or dad did or, um, you know, whatever the case is. But on top of that, they're, they're going to add, you know, church activities and, you know, family outings and, um, you know, clubs that they may be involved in in school, and they, they have this expectation because everybody thinks their kid is the best, and they are the best to their parent. And so their parent wants them to live up to their full potential, and so subsequently they enroll them in all of these different activities, and they pack their schedule. You know, it's just jam-packed, and, and that's tough. I mean, it's tough for an adult, but it's tough for a kid that's growing up and, you know, trying to figure out what they want to do in life, and they're being pushed in 50 million different directions, and, you know, they have literally eight hours a night to sleep, and beyond that, everything else is booked, you know? They get up right. in the morning, and they, you know, it's a very rigid schedule, and I I would say that that was a mistake. I mean, I, I just don't think we, as a culture, should be pushing our kids into being so overloaded. Well, you know what, Lord, what we're going to do is um, we got to... We'll take a break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the kids, the generation coming up. But you know I'm not going to let you off the hook about the Cowboys and Eagles game. So, bring it, you bring know, it. So, 
<laughs> so what we got to do, we got to take a short break. Um, this is Jay Loving, host of the Lemon Sports Talk, and my guest, Laura Jackson from Castle Wyoming. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're hooked up with loving that sports talk James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, host of Loving That Sports Talk, and I got Laura Jackson as my guest. You didn't leave me, did you, Laura? I'm still here. Yeah, we ain't talking about the Cowboys, so I know you holding on for that. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, no, we were talking about when we, we, we left before we went to break generation, how different one it was. And during uh-huh. the break, man, you were talking about it, and you're right. Like, nowadays, it's more texting. Keep, people are texting back and forth, kids, and it's not verbal, you know. Explain a little bit more what you were meaning by that, Lord. Well, I, I, I just, you know, I was telling you earlier that, you know, we... We talk to our kids via text. Their friends talk to them via text. I, you know, I'm dealing with a situation right now, which I, I, I don't mind because it's the day and age, but it's different for me where coaches are texting. Um, all the correspondence that I get from the coaches is through emails. Um, I've literally talked to the coach once. And so, I mean, it's obvious that we're moving in, in that direction of electronic communication rather than personal communication. And I think that... I think that's going to have an effect on the kids on the sidelines because if they're used to only talking electronically and then you have somebody that is right in their face talking to them, 
they're not going to know how to respond to that, or it's going to be difficult for them to respond to that. You're right, and it's like what you say—that voice tone, that being their face. They can—they're not used to that. Used to the, t- the phone going off and not a voice. You're right about that, Lord. Lord, do you do you agree with coaches yelling at kids, and do, do you think that motivates them, or do you think that makes them bring them down? You know, I think it depends on the kid. I I think you know I think coaches first of all have a huge responsibility, especially when you're coaching youth, because. You know, they have the power to touch these kids, especially if it's a sport that they truly love. And they have a power to touch these kids like nobody else other than hopefully the parents. And, um, you know, I I think some kids would respond to, you know, the the bantering on the sidelines. I think that that would just motivate them to, to do more. I know for little Terry, that doesn't work for him. He's going to shut down. He won't have any respect for that. Um, so I, I think it's just situational depending on the kid, you know. Now, Big Terry, my husband, if his coaches were yelling at him, that just made him want to go out there and, and do better for them. But it was right. a different it was a different era. Mm-hmm. So now you think in the era now the kids need more of the low soft voice and more directing them than yelling at them and pushing them? Well, look, now it's still football. I mean, this is a physical sport. So right. I don't think we need to get too soft on them. You know, I mean, if if they need us to, you know, get that soft on them, then football's probably not the sport for them anyway. But, you know, I certainly think a more psychological aspect of it, you know, like learning how to talk to these kids, learning what kids are going to respond to what things. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest, um, I think that's the biggest responsibility for coaches. You know, it's, they they are these kids as mentors. These kids look up to their coaches, and if the coaches don't want that, then it's probably not the right position for them to be in. You know, if if they're just going out there to say, "Hey, I'm the coach of this team because they've won," you know, the city championship for the last five years, and somebody gave me a shot at it, but really have no interest in grooming these kids to be the best that they can be, then it's probably not the right spot for them. Unfortunately, people like that are the ones that are hardest to get out. I think. You know, because they're not going to see that aspect of it. They're not going to say, you know, this isn't the right place for me. They're, you know, they're going to be the ones that are going to be harder to get them to move on. Lori, from from your point of view, if there's three things that you can name that a coach needs to do, starting with one, one being, you know, the most important to number three, what would you say for a coach to coach a team, you know, and players? What, what do they need? Name three things. Well, first of all, I think that they have to take on, like I've been saying, I think they have to take on the responsibility of knowing that they have a group of young kids that they're going to influence, and they have to make the choice whether they're going to do that positively or negatively. So I think responsibility to the team and to the individual players is going to be huge. Um, I think they have to have a commitment to the team, which I think is different than responsibility. You know, I think that they have to be committed to doing everything that they can to ensure success for the kids. Um, boy, a third one. You're killing me. Um, I, I knew I'd get you, but I thought I'd get you on the Cowboys, but that would be later. <laughs> well, you know, well, okay, here, here's, an, here's 
here's one other thing, and I and I've seen this happen before, yeah. and I've seen it happen maybe with my own child as, and as a parent, you know, that can sort of build you up. But I I think that, and I don't know, I guess what category you put this under, but I think that sometimes our coaches focus on an individual talent. And I think by doing that, it sort of breeds entitlement to kids. You know, if if you have somebody like little Terry and he's raised in a family where there is positive reinforcement all the time from his parents. Mm-hmm. He's going to think he's good anyway, right? Right. I mean, usually. And then right. you get onto a team and you have a coach, and that coach focuses solely on his individual talent. I think that is. I think that can sometimes negatively breed some sort of entitlement where kids think okay, I should be starting, I should be, you know, because they've seen my talent, they know what I can do. Now, I may have just really played poorly in the last three games, but I should be able to start this next game because my coaches know what I can do, I just haven't been performing. And, I, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to focus on talent. I think that when that becomes their main focus of individual kids, then that could become a problem. Well, well let's talk about that for a minute, Lori. Say a kid have a bad game. Hey, like Terry's doing, have a bad game, and he wasn't in it. Would you start him the next game, or would you focus on somebody else that were harder? To, what, what would you do if you're saying if the kid, you know what I mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think there's a difference between a talented player having a bad game and a talented uh, player not playing hard. If I have a talented player that's not playing hard, he's not playing the next game. Bottom line. I mean, you're going to have to show me that you're interested in being out here. My point was, not to cut you off, but the saying what you said that I know I'm good, I should be starting. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. So, I, don't you see kids doing that these days where, you know, and then and then the first time that they're pulled out for any reason, it's devastating. They're ready to walk off right. the court. They're ready to walk off the field. They're, they're going to quit the team because they don't know how to take that because focus has been on them for so long, you know, their parents, their coaches, their, you know, whatever, the focus has been on their talent for so long that they, they're they not going to know how to take it. I, I like that, what you said, Lori, you write the focus, but if a coach don't know how to utilize that and use him right away, he's going to lose that player completely. He's going to be out of it and all that. So how do we do that? If this kid begin positive reinforcement by his parents and coaches, and he's not playing up to the expectation of working hard, as I'm saying. What do you do? You just, you know, me as a coach, when I was coaching, I hated that part, but I felt every player should get a chance to play. You know, I was coaching at a younger level because I think if you don't, you'll knock the kid's confidence, confidence out. But if I have a kid that, you know you're the superstar. You out there mope and loaf and all like that. Why play him, right? Absolutely, I, I, absolutely. I, just because they're born with the talent or they've developed the talent over years doesn't mean they have to work any less hard than anybody else wanting to be on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and it, I, I guess it depends on what your what your goal is. You know, for me now in the high school level of athletics. You know, certainly we're looking for the wind losses. I mean, we're beyond the point of, you know, yay, clapping for both teams. We're beyond that point. Although I must right. say as a parent, when I see, you know, another kid that, you know, 
slams the ball or, you know, does whatever, I'm excited for that kid. But that's the kind of person that I am. I mean, I, I, I think this is the time. These kids are not being played, paid to play. These kids are learning the game to have fun and, you know, to be a part of a team and, and to do all these other things. They're not being paid. And I, I think that when other people don't, aren't given the opportunity to play, I, I think that's horrible for a coach, especially at a youth level, Mm-hmm. to put somebody on the sidelines, you know. And if you've got a kid that's a star player that's not living up to his full potential, it's probably time to reevaluate what he really wants to do or what she really wants to do. Because mm-hmm. there's a reason that they're drawing back from it, you know. Now, now Lori, you watch sports and you've been out there, and I know that, and I know you know everything. You know, we see that, though. That we still see that nowadays. You're like, God, why is he, you know, pull him out? Why, I mean... I mean, is it because the parents on these coaches or is the coach just feel, like you say, he's going to lose this kid and he'll be done? But sometimes you have to lose him to get him back right. Absolutely. I, I don't know where the influence comes from because, you know, for for me, if mine are playing poorly and all all my kids are athletic-minded with the exception of one who's very musically gifted, so... I've got three of them that I focus on with their sports. But if if they don't behave the way that I think they should behave on the field, and you can ask any one of my kids this, or on the court, I'll pull them. I'll pull them from it. I, I, and I've done it before. I've done it for grades, and I've done it for behavior. And I know it's not a popular decision, probably not with the coaches, certainly not with my kids, but there's more to a team activity when you're, learning and when you're a, when you're a child than just the wins and losses. Right. You know, you you have to be able to teach them I mean you have to you have to be able to focus on the big picture. You know, um I think character lessons can be learned from sports and that ultimately is going to contribute to success in life. You know, they have to learn how to be committed to a team. They have to learn how to you know be a part of a team, not just committed to a team, but be a part of a team. Um, and, I, you know, I think they, they, I mean, there's just so many things that they have to, that they have to learn. And you're, you're growing that through athletic activities. You know what, we're, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. We want you to talk about being part of a team, what it takes and teammanship. So what we'll do, and, and I haven't forgot about your other daughter. We are speaking about that in our last segment, what she's, a brilliant thing she's going to do. So this is James oh. Loving, and we'll be right back with Loving and Sports Talk. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Have we got a high energy all access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. 
Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James. I'm back. Host of Loving That Sports Talk. And I got Lori on the phone. Lori, you said that? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, but with the break, uh, we'll talk about teammanship and what it takes. So explain what you think, because you were talking a little bit about that before we went to break. Well, you know, I, I think that is so big in a person's life is to learn how to play or be a part of a team and be a positive influence on a team. And, uh, you know, honestly, sitting here, and I guess if I had more time, I'd be able to think about it, but... I really don't know of too many jobs in life where you don't have to work as a team. And I think instilling those those types of fundamentals in our kids young to learn how to work cooperatively with other people is a huge key to success because there's not too many jobs out there that they're going to be able to be by themselves all the time. But they have to learn how to work with other people. And this is a great way for them to do it, you know, on, as a part of an athletic organization because, you know, they're not only getting exercise, but they're, they're learning how to deal and cope with other people's personalities and, you know, their differences and things like that. I, I think it's key. Right. And, and like you say, teammanship is, um, is, is, is great because, like you say, it's not only for on the field but off the field at a job. Right. You know? Absolutely. Well, we, talked, we talked about this, you know, the other day about, you know, the percentage of our kids that actually make it into, you know, a, a pro team. You know, I mean, the reality is that the majority of our kids are going to work in the in the real world, you know, and they're going to have to learn how to deal with that stuff. Well, uh, you know, this, uh, you know what, this show makes me smile even more. And, and just have a pleasure to have. Oh, oh, I have Terry on the phone. Your husband, you there, Terry? I'm there. <laughs> hey, you, you see why I married her? <laughs> She's smarter than me. <laughs> well, we won't get into that. We don't have near enough time. Yeah, you know what? And 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 you two together with you know not only Terry but your other kids like Laura. They will talk about that later. 
that will make kids not only on the field and off the field great players and people. You know, so Terry, go ahead and, and talk a little bit too about team and shit. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, and I want to hit on that a little bit. Our kids, you know, when we were growing up, it was important for us to to be a practice um, and to perform our best because our idea was is that we were not there for ourselves. We were there because someone else depended on us, whether it was our coach who we felt depended on us and made us feel important, or whether it was for that guy that was blocking for me, J. Crew, you know, or whether it was for my quarterback, you know, it, we, we always felt that somebody was depending on us, and that's why we showed up at practice and we put forth that effort. And that's what being a team is all about, is you got to care for the individual that you're playing with, you know. And I don't necessarily know that a lot of our guys are, uh, feel that way anymore. <clears throat> we get a lot of people that, that have great talent, and, and they just want to go out there and expose it uh, for themselves, not to necessarily better their team. And, and that's the kind of idea that we need to, to start these kids out with is that I want to help somebody else do good. I want to help my team do good. You know, I want somebody to feel proud about me because I helped the team, not because I'm great. No, no, Barry, Lori, I don't know who want to answer first, but has there been a point where y'all disagree on Terrence Green doing a one uh, the other kids, your daughter's doing something that you didn't agree with sports or said something? And how do parents go about days of you know, compromise so the kids we do better and learn from what you guys are trying to teach. Well, you know, I start out as, you know, listen to your coach, you know, find out what you, you know, what your role is as far as being on the team or, or whatever it is that you're doing. You find out what your role is, and I will try to help you uh, fulfill that role, you know. Um, and, and you try to help coach them and make them a better athlete and, and, and better at their role rather than saying, well, that coach is teaching you wrong type of thing. You know, it, it, it has never been anything like that. Now, of course, there's been things that we may or may not have agreed with that, you know, a coach has, has asked the player or, you know, someone to do or something. You're like, why would he do that? That doesn't make sense. Um, right. But that kind of stuff is, is kept to yourself. But as far as, you know, trying to help <clears throat> the, the, the kids be successful – in their role, you know, if you're a hitter on a volleyball team, or you know, if if you're in the back row, you know, or the front row, we're going to try and help you be better at that position, and and help fulfill your role to make the team better. And you, Lord? Well, I think even before that is that you have to find out if if who you're working with wants to be there, you know, because I we've seen that where the kids just don't want to be there and there's got to be a reason for it. And then I think once you discover that reason, then, you know, you have a responsibility, like I was talking about earlier as a coach, to bring out the best in the players. You know, and I, and I don't think it's necessarily all just the coach's responsibility because certainly it starts at home. And, you know, you have to, you have to learn how to talk to those kids and you have to learn, you know, what, what's going to suit them best because what they feel most comfortable in is what they're going to excel at. And then you have to build from that. But that's a responsibility as as a coach and as a parent. Now, Terry, I want to know if you have a difference, but I want Lori to answer this first and then you, Terry. Lori, if I kids playing a sport and they feel it and doing a middle season, they want to quit. As a parent, do we allow it or do we tell them, you know, to help them continue or do we just let them quit? Nope, they, they're going to continue. They don't have an option in, in my house. 
um, we've dealt with that actually. Um, but they they made a commitment to be on a team, and they're going to stick it out until the end of the season. You know, and and truthfully, any sports that that our kids are involved in, not going to last very long anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think that by making them stick that out, you're teaching them a lot of things. You're not just teaching them to hate the game that they don't want to be playing in the first place. You, you know, you're teaching them other life lessons, like being committed, like holding straight to your promises, you know, th- those kind of things. And not in my house, you wouldn't quit. It wouldn't happen. And Terry, go ahead. Well, love, it doesn't get any better than that. That's that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> you two will be married together. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's 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 just a few things that oh, actually there's only one thing you need to know when you're married and you've been married this long, and it's whatever the situation is, it's I am wrong and you are right. That's all anybody needs to know. You can't argue with that. You, you can't argue. <laughs> see, see, Laurie, you said he wasn't going to be hey today, see? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Well, that's something. Um, okay, well, thanks, honey. I wish that was accurate here because I know I'm right. But <laughs> Well, you know what, Laurie? Since she had your husband on there, we have him on here. Well, we was talking about earlier about Tony Rumble. I, I heard it from you saying, you know, this not might be the year for him. He needs to get on another team. Did I hear that? No, well, uh, that's that's not what you heard. Let, let, what let, what let, I let said was what you heard. <laughs> okay, what then, I said Lord, was, please explain. That what I said was that Romo. I'm going to give him another year. I'm going I'm going to be patient with him for another year. I mean, he's not a young player anymore. He's a veteran player. He should be able to get over all his fears and anything else that's stalling him or preventing him to get to the next level. I'm hoping that because of his time off, he's itching to get back into the game. We'll see. I think after this season, if it doesn't prove to be what, you know, if it doesn't happen what needs to happen, then I think the team needs to look at moving on. I mean, wait, didn't the team go through this like in the 80s where they had a quarterback that could just lead them to the, you know, the, the final, lead them to the final, lead them to the final, but never went to a Super Bowl? This isn't the first time Dallas has had to deal with this. But, Laurie, before we let Terry speak, can Dallas win it this year with Tony? Well, it takes more than Tony Romo to play a football game. But didn't we just say, uh, when we talked about it over your house this week, I think, I don't know if you were there, but the quarterback is the leader of the team? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to depend on his demeanor walking into it this year. I like what he did with the – didn't he put together, like, some workout, you know, stuff for his team? I I think he's trying to accept the role of being a leader. And and he he needs to – he really needs to step up to the plate with that. But my concern with Tony, and this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, is that he does not perform well under pressure consistently. I think there are some times that Tony is a great quarterback. My issue is is that it's not consistent. You know, I think I think what would have made Tony Romo develop a little bit sooner. And I hate to say this, and I'm probably you, you're probably going to think I'm wrong, but I think Tony Romo would have benefited from a Terrell Owens on the team, somebody who was willing to to get in his face and and, and get onto him because Tony Romo fell to the wayside. It was all T.O. And, and, and whoever speaking. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Tony never stood up. He never stood up to T.O. When, when all that rig and roll was going on and stuff like that. And I think that if he was going to become a leader, he would have became 
a leader sooner doing those kinds of things with a T.O. on the team uh, and that kind of talent because they, they were very talented. Um, they just didn't win. They just couldn't win. Well, my, my opinion of that is that I think anytime you have a negative locker room presence like T.O., I don't know how that can do anything but pull down the team. I mean, I, th- I think eventually it's going to get into your head. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think that mess is good for any team. I, th- I think that's yeah. something that, you know, you're big boys, you're making loads of money, you should be able to learn how to behave yourself. Right, that's and, my, and it's not. What I'm, what I'm trying to say, though, is I think that, you know, if, if, if Tony could have uh, matched T.O.'s, you know, attitude, you know, against T.O., I think that that would have propelled him to be a better leader after T.O. left in the last couple of seasons um, mm-hmm. than, than what he's been. Because that's the that's the uh, the point I think Love is trying to make, is that the quarterback is the leader of the team. The quarterback should be able to lead that team to a, you know, to a championship. Well, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I mean, and, and I agree with that to a certain extent, but Romo doesn't run the ball. And he doesn't hand it off to himself, and he don't catch it. Um, and then there's a lot of other aspects that go along with the defense and the defensive backs that you know I think we need some work on too. So it's got to be a whole team effort. Um, do I think Romo has done his whole part? I uh, I think he's fell short. I, I I have to agree with that. But I think he's coming along, and I would like to see what happens after this year as well. Well, I I think you're going to get. I mean, I think with Des Bryant, I don't think maybe to the the caliber that T.O. was, but you're going to get some of that bantering between the two of them. I mean, if, you know, he's a young player, he's a cocky player, you know, hopefully he's strengthened himself up and done what he needs to do to really go out there on the field and do what he needs to do. But some of that same presence I see from T.O. is the same thing that's kind of being reflected with Des Bryant. So, you know, if, if your theory holds true, then Des will push him to be a good a good quarterback and a good leader. Well, well I got to disagree with you, Lori. I got to disagree with you, Lori, and Terry. I'm going to tell you why, and you guys can explain to me. I disagree with you, Lori, about saying that um, T.O. with a bad thing in the locker room. Sometimes that's bad. If you look at Michael Jordan when they had Dennis Rodman, Dennis was bad in the locker room, and Michael took care of him, I mean, took over and been a leader and told Dennis. So if Tony do that, then T.O. would have been great for, that was like your husband was saying, Terry, and Terry, with you, what you were saying is the quarterback. I think the quarterback the ones that have the ball most of the time and direct the offense, and that offense carry on to the defense playing good. So both of y'all, might, what do you think about that? I mean, who wants to go first? I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're if you're playing well offensively, you're going to always keep your defensive in a pretty good position. But I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. Uh, what were we twenty fifth in, in defense? I think uh, horrible. Um, and, and part of it, and most of it was because of the offensive play. Um, but I, I, And I, I agree with that. And, Lori, go ahead. Oh, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I I don't necessarily negate it. But I, what, I, what I think, though, is that for any team sport to build it up is it has to be – I mean, there's going to be issues. There's always going to be issues when you're talking about two people getting together. And then when you bring more people into it as a team, you know, of – basketball or football, there's always going to be personality conflicts and issues. But I think that <clears throat> players have the responsibility to not not make that stuff so, what's the word, you know, just it, it was out there. 
You know, Teal was out there. And I know Rodman was out there, but Rodman was out there because Rodman was flashy. He was flashy with his looks. He was flashy with everything. T.O. tried to do that. You know, he, he thinks he's great, and, and he's, a good, he's a good player. I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from him. But Rodman wanted the spotlight because of his flamboyant behavior. And I know that there was issues in the locker room, but I think a lot of that they maybe put to the side because it was, it was silly. You know what I mean? It wasn't... Yeah. We've got to also understand when the Cowboys were winning, I mean, you didn't hear much from T.O., you know, and, and, and even the Because T.O. didn't do much. There. Right. T.O. didn't contribute when they were winning. He, he wasn't. Uh, he, he, I think he kind of realized that maybe I need to tone it down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally wish we could have kept him. Uh, we basically had one side of the field shut down um, on, on defense because uh, you had to have somebody with him all the time, and it made a great difference. And I think it made a great difference in our running game. Um, and, and I think that's what hurt us, especially in our running game, is when we uh, when we got rid of T.O. But Terry, Laurie, I mean, um, isn't this what the NFL is now nowadays, about having bad boys on the team and that one person who starts problems and go out there? Isn't that what it's coming to? Because look at Dallas. Dallas had four or five of them. Then they started, you know, kicking them <laughs> off with trouble. Cincinnati Bengals had 20, 30 players, you know? Hey, let, let's point the finger back at your own team there, love. What, what's going on? What's going on there with old Deshaun and all those people, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think there's at least one on every team, right? That's what I'm saying. But isn't that what a team looks for, for that one player to and get everybody and get mean and do things, you know? Isn't that what the NFL looking for? But we got we got players like, you know, we, we've got motivational players that aren't in trouble, Okay. Uh, look at Ray Lewis, for instance. I mean, I know he dealt with his issues, but you know that's that that's way behind him. You can't uh, can't deny that Ray Lewis is a motivator, and and everybody on that team wants to play hard for Ray Lewis uh, because he goes out there and he gives it his all. Those are the kind of players that we want to represent us in the NFL. Uh, and, and another thing we got to realize is these guys are just people, normal everyday people. Like uh, like you and I, and like we deal with, and they're going to have issues. They're not they're not perfect people. They don't have perfect families. They don't have perfect marriages, like any of us do. They're just in the spotlight a little bit more than we are. But we want our NFL to represent us in you know in a good light and and have good positive players and, and an influence on things because we got a bunch of kids that that love the NFL and the NBA and and everything else. And and we I don't want them watching that. Uh, News on who got pulled over for DUI and, and who had possession of marijuana, um, and, and these guys are star athletes, but they're just people, and we we have to realize and understand that as a society that these are just people, men and women, normal everyday men and women who just have a talent, who you know who are making a lot of money. We have to give it to them; they're making a lot of money, but they are in the spotlight. Yeah, but Terry, Laura, y'all in that business, and you know, but. Say a, a normal person like me get pulled over and I have marijuana and beer, it's not it's not a big thing. But you let a, a player, but like you say, Terry, they're normal people. What what is so different about just because they're in the spotlight? But when do they have to be normal people? Like Michael Jordan had to go shopping when the malls was closed, you know. But they still normal people. When are they gonna just be normal people? Because they're gonna make mistakes drinking and driving. Everybody yeah. probably does not. They won't ever be normal. They'll never be considered normal. No one will ever look at Michael Jordan who knows anything about Michael Jordan 
and consider him to be a normal person. Michael Jordan has to live up to to standards that you and I will never ever imagine. Um, you know, we as, as as law enforcement people, we have to look up. You know, we're 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 looked up at a different light. We have to uphold standards that the normal everyday person doesn't even realize and understand. So right. they'll never be normal. Um, these star athletes and and super athletes, I call them, that uh, make billions of dollars and and have made, you know, Tiger Woods, none of those guys will ever be considered normal and will always be news as long as our society has an ear for it. You know, our society is going to have an ear for it because they're known. And if they mess up and they get booked into a jail or a detention center, it's going to be it's going to be everywhere. Right. You know, Terry, I just can't wait to get you on there. I'm going to have a, a high school kid on next week, and we can probably talk a little bit more about this. But we have four minutes to close, and I promise Lori she'll get to talk about your other kids and what the great things they're doing. So go ahead, Lori. You're not All done right. yet, Terry, so don't hang on. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I like I said, I'm I'm just truly blessed. My my kids are just terrific. They, they mean the world to us. And uh, my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter is is going to college. She made the Dean's Honor Roll last semester. She's going into psychology. Um, she's just a phenomenal person, just very kind-hearted. She's a sweet girl. Um, my 20-year-old, she's she just started college. Uh, next week, we're auditioning for American Idol. She's got a voice that will blow you out of the water. Um, so we're really excited for that, really really looking forward to that, op- for that opportunity for her. Um, and then, of course, there's little Terry. I think, you know, he... He's just a great kid, and we have a 12-year-old that is blossoming into a beautiful young lady, and she's, you know, at this point just trying to figure out what she, what she's going to do. She's very athletic-minded, but she also likes, she's a socialite. She likes, you know, to hang out with people and, you know, just great kids. We just have great kids, and we're so blessed, and I don't know, I really don't know how we got so lucky. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're good people, and... um I don't know. I, I I just don't know how we how we got that lucky, but we did. We're blessed. Well, it's not it's not luck, Terry. It's it's about you know the way great parent that you and you know Terry are. So keep doing what y'all are doing. And like I said, I like to end my show every time with like one advice you can give somebody that's young coming up that you guys can get them some advice, and some knowledge. Um, who wants to go first? You, you loyal, Terry? I don't care. I, I guess I would say that. You know, really find something that you love to do. Make sure your parents are okay with it. Make sure it's something that's legal and safe and, and, uh, you know, grow on what you know and what you love to do and, and keep out of trouble and stay in school. I think it's so important. Terry? Well, I think that every, every kid will find uh, a knack uh, on what they like, whether it's a hobby, whether it's, you know, an athletic sport or whether it's playing a violin. Um, at some point in time, you're going to find it. When you find it, <clears throat> something that you enjoy doing, you just keep doing it and, and, and work hard at it, and uh, and you'll be successful. Uh, stay in school and get good grades and learn as much as you can while you can because you can't go back and do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and while it's free. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, I'd like to thank you, too, for being on the show. Like I said, you know, always a pleasure to talk to you guys about sports. And any name of sports is just life, things in general. So thanks for being on the show, Lori and Terry. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I'd like to close out, Terry. 
you need to find a basketball court with me and you anytime, any day. Okay. That's on the air. Before so. you leave, I know you only got a day or two here, but we'll get you before you leave. <laughs> All right, dude. Thank you, guys, for being on the show. Thank Thanks, you. Love. Take care. All right. And like I said, this is James Loving, hosting another one of the Loving That Sports Talk, and tune in next week for another great show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.